Hello everybody and welcome to today's podcast. Today it's our absolute great pleasure to have with us Stephen Thomas. Stephen Thomas is an absolute expert in the textile industry, although he would never say that openly, but he really is. Um, I've known him for a very long time and it's an absolute honour to be able to interview him here today. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's, lo- it's-, it's lovely. no you you wouldn't say it but I will (laughs) you are an absolute expert and it's so so such a pleasure to have you with us Stephen how and when did you start out in the textile industry well I've um, I've worked my way backwards down the textile chain so I started off uh, furniture manufacturing and buying fabric Mm -hmm. from from the northwest of England then I went and started to make curtains uh, and, and designing fabrics and eventually I ended up printing it. So I've been all the way down the chain. The only other step I should go to is maybe weaving fabric. So I've worked my way all the way through the chain. So I started in the uh, furniture manufacturing uh, and now I finished off in textile printing. So, so you, you very much started in rotary. Is that rotary and flatbed? Yes, very much so. In fact, um, my big, most of the fabrics we used to buy when I was um, converting them and making curtains and sofa beds used to come from some of the old printers in Lancashire, Alexander Drews and Hartleys and people like that, where you used to order 100,000 metres of fabric to make sofa beds and things like that. So that must have been the heyday in the sort of uh, 80s and early 90s. Yeah, It was definitely. I used to sample at Hartleys. We used to go up there regularly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Many, many, many moons ago. Stephen, just a quick question there then. All of those years back, it's just probably, is that 25 years ago? Probably 30 years ago, maybe, something like that. How many metres, 30, 30 years ago, how many metres would, would a best-selling design achieve? Oh, hundreds of thousands of metres, without doubt. I mean, um, the, the cost of the cost of getting them getting them to screen was irrelevant to the price of the product. Um, the real thing that drove it were the low prices in the market because the UK industry at the time were very reliant on printing fabrics to make things, be it curtains or sofa beds, so they needed as low cost as possible. And that's where the big rotary printers, don't forget Alexander Drews invested £10 million to try and do a million metres a week. Wow. A million metre a week, actually, incredible investment. So... Um, yeah, so it was. It was. There were hundreds of thousands. Was a, was was the norm for 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 design. So you learnt your trade in a totally vertical environment, then. Well, I did. Yeah, eventually. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Which bit do I like best? Printing, <laughs> without doubt, the most exciting bit of the process. Yeah. Me too. Actually, how bizarre. <laughs> Stephen, mm-hmm. who inspired you and mentored your early career? Right, yeah. When I um, I started off as a graduate trainee, joining Unipart, mm-hmm. uh, making car radiators and, and seats, which was, didn't sound very exciting. But I worked for a guy called John Orr, who was an ex-Fords and, and in a factory in South Wales. And he was one of the best mentors I ever had because he was absolutely clear and concise, understood what I was doing and pushed me really hard. And as a 21 to 25-year-old graduate out of university... You tend to need to be pushed a bit because you had a bit of a life, and he was an inspiration to me, absolute inspiration. And you've further, slightly later yeah. in my career, maybe twenty years ago, there was a guy called Phil Billington who well, ran the um, 
the manufacturing side of Walker Green Bank, the wallpaper and the fabrics and a few other places. And he was absolutely brilliant, a brilliant guy. So he would be my sort of uh, management mentor, if anyone else. Yeah. What makes a great mentor? The ability to um, listen, mm-hmm. provide advice, but not make the decisions. Make sure you get the... I mean, I'm doing some mentoring now. You want the, the people being mentored to make the decisions, but you make sure you give them all the help and support to get there. So they take ownership of their own, the next step. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. and push that through. And I guess just being there for people, isn't it, as well? Just always being there with a listening ear when people need advice. I think, yeah, I think they, I think it's, I've got often people like the, the option where other people have seen it before. Mm-hmm. So you go, well, don't worry, it's not the worst thing that can happen type, type thing. So it's a useful support, I think, at the end of the day. And it's a, it's a, it, it's an underutilized uh, process in, in, in industry mentoring. It's, it's coming back now, but it, it's not done enough because it's quite time consuming. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, whatever level, wherever you are, if you look back at the, original apprenticeship apprenticeship schemes you know we all had mentors from that didn't we really as well people who were assigned to be your you know your supervisor etc but they were also your mentor they were there to to impart their knowledge to help you achieve yes yeah absolutely yeah Mm, yeah definitely Stephen you're renowned as a champion of the next generation and we've worked together on a and, and I've watched from afar and a number of the wonderful things that you've been doing particularly at Stanfast and Barracks as well you set up a whole regime there didn't you to to help with mentoring and championing people throughout the factory to achieve their best their best practice that they could do um, why is the transfer of knowledge so important to the future of the textile industry yeah I think one of the challenges in the UK is that we don't have the traditional infrastructure for for training mm-hmm. and if you look at textiles you get bits of it you get some design but but because we we sort of we were beaten up and destroyed sort of 25 years ago the industry very little funding's gone in there's a little bit on coloration there's a bit on design mm-hmm. but the key the key core bits you're having to find training opportunities through other methods so so for example where i was we set the training programs up to develop youngsters into supervisors yep. which is often not done done a lot in, in our industry um, so it's not the, the technical skills of, of design or, or coloration but the general management skills and that that I'm really proud of how we've got that going and I've left a business with a, with a number of young people who are developing really well and they will be that future they will be the next uh, Debbie McGeegan or Stephen Thomas of this industry they'll be the people who have the mentoring and grow in the business and go I, so if someone asks you know, who was your mentor 20 years ago? Say it was Debbie or something like that. You know, that's that's really important, I think. Mm-hmm. It is important. I think if I remember back, I have three mentors in my life, three really strong personalities that just taught me everything and that took the time out to share their skills and give you that confidence, give you that little boost when you're feeling a bit, you know, just yeah, yeah, a bit, yeah. A bit un- yeah. Un- unsecure, really. Very, very, very important. Stephen, you've done a massive, massive amount of work in the implication of digital technologies. And I'd really like to kind of move on now and and talk about that, because, of course, priming the, the, the last question was very much about priming the future and making sure that we transfer the knowledge of the textile industry and the love and passion of the textile industry into the next gen- generation, which I know yourself, uh, you've 
done a wonderful, wonderful job over the years with that, definitely with your team over at Stanfast and Barrett's with Adam and with Emma, very, very much so. It's, you know, I've visited a couple of times and it's palpable how much you guys really, really, really want to pass all of that knowledge on. But you've also transformed production, haven't you, in the last 10 or 15 years using digital technologies. Um, how close, Stephen, are we to the, the wide, widespread industrial adoption of digital textile printing technologies? I think the, the move from analogue to, analog to digital on the printing machines is well advanced and you can see it's a continuous process. Mm -hmm. The real challenge, isn't it, the real challenge is getting your workflows moving from analogue to digital, if you think about it, because yeah. we, still, we still manufacture and sell in the same way, sort of, business to business as we've always done. Yeah. So we have, we have you know, the, or Stampers have a number of large machines, but we tend to use those as replacement for our conventional printing. The real challenge is how you use those as your, as your, your weapon of change in the whole supply chain. And that's got, that's got to happen more and more. And that's very much driven by not the, the machines that print, but the, the, the systems that drive it through there. It's a bit like how you convert a B2B business like a Spoonflower B2C business, uh -huh. taking stock out, stock out the process, the real driver. And that takes a lot more. I think that's going to take as much effort as putting a digital print machine in the factory. You can do that and get it running. But that, that, I think, is one of the real opportunities and challenges of the process. And I know a lot of work's going on, on but you know, no one's yet got to the point saying we, we're going to run a, a big branded business on a, on a, on a build-to-stock system yet, have they? That would be really interesting. So it's a mindset, isn't it, that has to start from the top and work all the way down? It does. It does. It, do, it does ultimately. And you have to accept that... Um, when you run machines, you worry about the efficiency of the machine. What you should really worry about is the waste in the process, the whole process. And that pick, that mixes into the whole argument about sustainability. Mm -hmm. Sustainability is as much as cutting out waste as producing it more efficiently. Digital is perfect for a sustainable business. As long as, long as you can sort out the energy requirements for making the fabric and finishing the fabric, which there, there, there are ways around it you can actually use that as a fantastic sustainable model. So. Do you think there are, do you think that the marketplace will always have a need for both flatbed and traditional rotary production? Do you think we will have a time where it's the minority, not the majority? Yes, I mean, you, you, it, it's a real heritage process and I think it's really important that you mm -hmm. maintain that skill. And there are, you know, there are, there's looks at the moment that, 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 that benefit from flatbed printing, for example. Yeah. And you can understand that. There's also the way product is still bought in bulk. There are still price advantages in, in, yeah. in, 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 in rotary printing. So you, always, you often, often wonder when they buy a large quantity in bulk and they put it in their warehouse at wherever, the cost of running a warehouse, do they really know what the full cost of their product is all the way through i suspect not i suspect people don't look at their full cost of product but they you know the, the one of the challenges is is if if you wanted to train and impart skills in the uk which has lost a lot of it would you spend much money training people on old te technology or would you train them on the new technology and that's going to be one of the challenges is where do you find young people to run 
old technology heritage machines, and that's a real going to be a real challenge going forward. So um, we'll have to see. I suspect there'll always be an option. It's a bit like you know, block printing of wallpaper yeah. and things like that. There's a real niche market for that, and, and that and that will still continue, which is great because it's, it it make, keeps the heritage going of textile printing. It does, doesn't it? But I suppose you get to a tipping point, don't you, where it tips over over to the other side. Where if it's a heritage um, project, then you know in the future you'll actually pay more for traditional than you will for digital. Absolutely, but we have we have to get to that tipping point, don't we? Yeah, and also people will continue to convince themselves that 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 conventional is better than digital um, because they want to do it. And you can you can understand people. You know, textiles is a very emotional. Uh, textile printing is a very emotional business because it's all related to the beauty of the product and the emotions. So you've got to accept there'll be some emotions in how people decide to print things. Definitely. What's what's holding it back? Is it pr- price point? Where where is the problem with the price point? Is it in? Uh, no, no prices. I don't think prices. You know the old arguments about your 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 Costco's is a bit bit irrelevant now because that's not the big, biggest factor. The, big, the biggest factor is going to be is when can you give your customer the product they want and the quantity they want. Mm-hmm. Not tell them the only way you get the price curve right is you order lots of it. Wait. And that's always been a, the mentality in textile printing, isn't it? Well, yeah, that's how the that's how production was built. That's how the margins and the costings were right. built against you know energy, everything really in the past. But as you say, it's a new generation; it's completely different. You 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 can you're endorsing really then that we really are. At, the, at that tipping point is because of on-demand production it is it is i don't the way that people the machines are being priced now with the option of of, of lease payment or paying by the meter or, or whatever deal you want to do means you don't have to go for the big capital spends now traditional large textile companies like like the business i used to be at uh-huh. or other ones are quite used to spending a million pounds on this and a million pounds on that yep. Those, and which which then limited the capability. A lot of businesses that go can have a, you know, if people don't buy cars now, they lease cars, they can buy a textile print machine and they, they pay for it by the meter without doubt. That should give people a lot more options of uh, who wants to be in the industry. The key change has got to be how you simplify the process of printing it and supplying it into your customer. It's got to be that, that uh, it's a bit, I mean, how many years... Are we behind in textiles compared with car manufacturing and things like that? Yeah. We we are we are sort of following, aren't we? A bit. So. We are definitely, and I guess then that pigment has to be the ink set of choice in that scenario. Oh, totally. Yeah, I'm I'm a hundred percent. I mean, my business is not a hundred percent because it's still still you can't get all the products. I mean, one of the biggest product areas that, that I came from was 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 beautiful velvet printing, mm-hmm. and and that at the moment you can't reproduce it on a pigment machine but the speed of change you know we, we had our first pigment machine um five six years ago but in earnest five years ago the movement from then to now is incredible you know with outdoor furniture camouflage printing all these other things that you that is more and more more becoming wallpaper printing is coming in using the same technology mm-hmm. it's going to get there the technology is going to change so you just have to you have to be be on that wave if you're on the wave with the with the big key supplies, you will get there eventually. Um, I think sometimes when we're a printer, we think everything resolves around the product we print. It doesn't. It's the beauty of the product and what the customer wants 
sometimes we forget that you know yes it's the circular isn't it yeah all things circular. all things in unison i think really too um stephen what what are the technical process challenges do you reckon with digital that still need to be overcome we need to make it sustainable we talk about sustainability as being it but we're not we, if you look at the um the z- z- zero zero carbon journey which we which we must be on if you look at it we're not eliminating um enough carbon out of the process if you take cellulosic printing which is a lot of people doing there's a lot of energy that, that is used to get that bit of fabric white enough to print on forgetting about the print machine you can make the print machine absolutely you know absolutely fine and get it all accredited but, but that's not where the energy the energy is consumed i think there's an article in one of your latest um latest uh, podcast you know, came out today not podcast that talks about the where the energy and all the energy is used pre and post printing the printing process now pigment technology is fabulous so that's going to be the real cha- change because ultimately if you want to produce a sustainable project you can't just say your print machine is sustainable the whole process needs to be sustainable so i think that's a, that's a real challenge and uh, we just need to make sure we don't greenwash it and, and pretend we're going to get there really understanding what the customers real want from a digital print machine it's interesting do you want a really fast machine do you want a, do you want a machine that, that that does superb quality or do you want a machine that can do can change rolls over quickly on different things you can print lots of different designs i suspect it's more going to move that route because if you really want a business that is is going to print to order you want the ability to have multiple fabrics on multiple frames and transferring them around and you know some of the tech some technology and i think a lot of it's not related to the machine again it's how you handle the fabrics on the machine also how you get a great handle and finish afterwards at the moment a lot of it revolves around putting a mechanical finish on well how can you eliminate that how can you get the product off the machine and it feels beautiful and looks beautiful and it's good to go i mean the, those are the sort of areas but all of those of those are achievable and they'll, they'll happen in the next three to five years you know making faster machines is not doesn't really matter now does it i don't think personally but that's that's my i think you're right i think that's been proved with single pass hasn't it you know if you look how many single pass are actually out there you know smashing it out they're they're huge beasts to fill it's actually almost better to go back to the traditional kind of textile where you have a farm of production machinery where you you know you have you know three or four digital machines producing on different fabrics that are already fed in, ready to go, or with a very short wind-in, wind-out mechanism. You're not wasting, you know, 10, 20, 30 metres at a time. It's really, really short. All of those things, are they add up, don't they, significantly over time? Yeah, yeah, they are. I mean, uh, you know, you're, you you can find quite often that it costs your fabrics more than your print price on digital, which is not, not surprising to say that, but in fact, you're, you know, you're, 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 you're printing... Your print price is quite a fixed cost now, and it's quite easy to work out and mm. very reliable. And you know, you know all the all the constraints on it. But you, it, your your base cloth can can vary from a pound to ten pounds in 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 the middle market. Big difference in variation, yeah. Yeah, it's huge, isn't it, Stephen? I didn't actually write this question down, but I'm going to go for it. How do you think we can really help when you talk about you know pre? Um, finishing fabrics pre and post finishing really 
in the preparation of our fabrics. You know, we're all looking for our pet. Everybody's looking for organic, unbleached cotton, etc., etc., etc. You know, and I think, would you agree there's a lot of people in the background working really, really hard on all of that? But when you look at the quantities required, how fast can we really get to ha having truly sustainable fabrics that are processed efficiently at the mills? Well, if you look at the... Um if you look at the uh, uh, carbon profiles, mm -hmm. you know, cotton's bad, you know, linens are nearly as bad, and some of the man-made fibres are the best, but that's not what people want to buy. <laughs> yeah. Um, particularly, so there's a real challenge of, on how you, how you engineer products that have low carbon, but have a, have a more natural feel to them. And, um, and whilst you're growing cotton, you know, it's, no matter if you go BCI cotton, which is a, a step or you go organic it's still inherently a very high energy use you see the other thing is traditional conversion of a raw material into a printable product as take takes chemistry at the moment mm -hmm. some sort of chemistry has to get involved and that has to be heated up and you have to buy the chemicals and that's not 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 a great process you know uh, a number a few years ago a lot of work was done on plasma now I'm yeah. sure that, that 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 area area has to come back in because what you want to do is to eliminate the need for any chemicals to go on the fabric and that's got to be better longer term so it i think it needs a lot more work doing on it because what there isn't if you're trying if you're designing a textile print machine a digital print machine you've got a team that designs that machine mm -hmm. if someone is um wanting to make sustainable fabric there's not a team involved in that because you've got a weaver and you've got a size supplying it then you've got a machine manufacturer making making a machine that can a stenter that can make it wider or a bleaching range and all that all of those all of that bit of it has to be working together because you know we will come a point in time particularly in businesses like the business i just left on a zero zero by 30 uh, pathway so in 2030 they're going to have no carbon You've got to take all those things out somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without just offsetting them somewhere else. No, I could build trees everywhere, couldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just that that kind of starts to just you know it's just greenwashing, isn't it? Really, just yeah, pushing yeah. pushing the problem somewhere else. Definitely. But when you look at the overall meterage, meterage of the textile industry, it's a vast, vast problem, and it's going to take a lot of great minds, isn't it, and a lot of investment to overcome. I think I think people have got to 2050, haven't they? In in, yeah. in reality, not everyone is trying to charge to the shortest uh, shortest date. But the problem is not going to go away because you know producing cotton is it takes a lot of a lot of fertilizer, which is very expensive, a lot of water and a lot of land. So mm. ultimately, we have to think think about how we do it. And a lot of the a lot of the um, man-made fibres have got the, an input from the oil industry somewhere down the process. So yep. we've got a lot of challenges, and the challenges are not going to be how your digital print machine works. It's how you what cloth you stuff in it. You know, so. the whole supply. It's always the same story, isn't it, with textiles? It's the entire supply chain, all of the touch points from A to A to Z, really. Yeah. Yeah. They all have to it's be becoming singing. more and more relevant now, isn't it? Because of yeah. the circular economy and and and, and various pro things yeah. things are going to do. So so not not only do we want to take the carbon out of it, we don't want to throw it away at the end. So we all want to 
put it back into the into the process yeah yeah absolutely and get to that point you know i know they have problems with the hig index a couple of weeks ago as well because they're only showing currently it's impossible it's only it's only possible to snapshot a very small part of the textile chain and unless you go from one end to the other you can't you can't quantify the the carbon it's impossible you just it's just a piece slice of the cake isn't it, it really is True. What you can do is whatever you're going to do in your business, you, you have the best yes. technology and the lowest carbon footprint, and that's what digital print, printing, pigment digital printing can give you. So so if, if you start making sure you always invest in the best technology, well, that's the way to do it. Isn't it? Yeah, small steps, cumulative, yeah. big impact. Yeah, fantastic. Stephen, what would you be your vision then for the future of printed textile production? Well, I'd, I'd I'd have print machines at the distribution centres, and they they go straight on the. Uh, I was going to say lorries, but we can't use lorries in the future. On the drones, we deliver straight to the rather customer. large drones. Yeah, the problem <laughs> with with the industry we're in is that we don't produce a finished product. We have a yes. there's another. You know, the product has to be taken and done some with it. If you do wallpapers, the wallpaper goes straight on the wall. So, what we've not got is uh, I know Spoonflower doing it is a joined up writing from when we print it to when the customer, so the customer wants, say, a pair of curtains, the process has to be all the way through to that. It can't yeah. stop at, you know, wonderful print works and it prints 12 meters to order, but what happens with the fabric? So I think I think it's all, it's got to be joined up. And I think people who do join it up will do extremely well. More of a, co- more cooperatives going on, do you think? It is, but it's all, one of the challenges is to understand demand demand yep. forecasting and that's where systems are required because you know you can only optimize a, a machine if you know what you what you're going to print on it yep. not the product but how much you're going to print on it when you when you're going to print on it so there's a lot more work involved to, to actually get there you know or otherwise all you do what we're doing at the moment because we don't know what the demand or can't demand forecast we just build stock and stick it into warehouses all the way around the country mm-hmm. and all around the world you know so. So we need to get closer to the supply chain, stronger connections within the supply chain and much closer to our customers so we understand them, the demographic. Yeah, that's so interesting. Stephen, you have had many challenges um, that you have most definitely successfully overcome. Which which of all of those would you say were your greatest achievements? Well, I'll give you a great challenge. We got got flooded out December 2015. and it, and it wiped the whole site out and that yeah. was that was a massive a massive million multi-million pound problem but more importantly you know we had no business so i would say that was singly one of the biggest challenges but one of the most rewarding ones because of how how the people responded to it so we got it back up and running within three months and then four months and that to be honest kick-started us getting the latest generation digital print machines so you could always, in hindsight, say it was a it was a it was a, a great move, but in reality, at the time, it wasn't. What do they um, say? Is it and, from adversity comes opportunity? Yeah, yeah, and 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 uh, you know, so when we've been through the the COVID thing and closing factories and things like that, I kept saying to them, "That's not as bad as when we had the flood, is it?" No, okay, let's so let's look at relative measures. Let's move on, and you can you can judge your um, crises by the crises by the uh, the ones <laughs> you've had in the past. <laughs> Oh well, yeah, that 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 that. I mean, we've had I've had many others, but I mean, I think you know, we, in, when I was in the um, when I was a converter 
one of the mm-hmm. biggest challenges was a, there was a massive spike in cotton prices and then there, then there was tariffs put on cottons. You get all these little things, but they never become an enormous crisis because everyone's in the same boat. Yeah. I think like a flood, you're the only one who's flooded, so it's a bit of a problem. Yeah, yeah. and also, I guess, you know, rebuilding business and getting that business back once you're open for three months where people have switched somewhere else and in textiles established colour and handle and everything elsewhere to win it back is a is a yeah is, a, is an uphill battle that you you did incredibly well with we did we had a great team so it's a team yeah. effort it's, I mean that's what it is yeah oh fantastic you never take credit for anything do you Stephen no it's a team <laughs> I mean ultimately you know it's it's a team team that does it you know yeah. it's, it's uh it's their skills and abilities and motivation that, that drives yeah. businesses forward. So very important. But you have to be a great leader to build a great team, don't you? And yeah. teach that team, which you have done. See, doing it again. <laughs> Stephen, if you had to choose three, what would be the standout moments of your career so far? Um, that's really interesting. I think I think a lot of them are are more recent because I, I you, you tend to forget forget uh, some yeah, of the ones in the past. Um, I did well. I did. I did have one one a while ago. I went into um, I went into um, Sundar Fabrics to try and help them turn the business around. Didn't really didn't quite get there, but it was a great a great motivator to feel people really wanted you to get help them out. So that was really yeah. important. Um, we. 2020, during the middle of the pandemic, we won the Queen Queen's Award for Export. I thought that was a an incredible thing to get. You know, we, we'd grown the export business consistently over three to five years. Uh, uh, the team had done it. I mean, the team had done it. I think that's that's really important. And um, it's, it's a similar question to the awards. And 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 um, la- last year we won the um, the Manufacturer of the Year in in, in Lancashire, Beaver, but we won it three years before. So wow. we won it twice, twice in a row, and I understand they're um, they're, they're five, they're in five of the finals this year. So having done some judging, not judging my old company, but done some judging for the Beavers, yeah. you know, it's a very high standard and high threshold. So I think think they're doing incredibly well. So. It's incredible. Just going back on that, actually, what what's actually involved in winning the Queen's Award? Um, a lot of paperwork. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've got to you've got to prove over a period of three to five years consistent growth in exports. So okay. I think we had um, doubled and trebled our export business over the, that period of time. So over um, a difficult yeah. period of time too, as well. It was. It was. In it difficult was, market circumstances. Know, but driven by digital, yeah. digital because the offer is a design offer, not a digital print offer. So yes, you know, you're, we're providing, we're providing, or we are providing customers with product. We're not printing for them. We're priding on product. Very I think that's I think that's a very important part of that business model, isn't it? As well, yeah. That you're leading yeah. the market with exceptional design from a very strong studio that has a reputation for for selling winners. Very important. We're selling the customer a product. Mm. They take the product, they sell it, they make money from it, and they love yeah. it. So that's that's yeah. our business. Just yeah. we have a print works in Lancaster. It's a bit by the side really <laughs> <laughs> but very 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 important yeah. oh Stephen thank you so much thank you so so much what's next and what are you looking forward to in your next chapter you've got you're on to pastures new now which is so exciting what are you going to get up to right so I'm, I'm, I'm doing some work um, with small businesses helping them grow which is mm-hmm. quite exciting and hopefully I really look forward to doing a bit more on the digital side I'm sure I'll, I'll pop up again helping with some other people 
because I think it's it's been the most it's been the biggest change in a in a traditional industry that's ever happened. Yeah. Digitalization of textile printing. It's been an incredible change. And I don't when you look back at it you would not realise that if you go back ten years, just go back ten years, mm-hmm. whereas we didn't have any fast machines, in fact we didn't get them ten years ago to ten years now where seventy percent of our business is digital. And it'll get up I think it to eighty percent. That's an incredible change in the way you run a business, the offer, the change, and that's driven by you know, some fantastic manufacturers in Europe for machines. They're making great and they are European machines as well. That's not Okay, you can argue they've got uh, Japanese head technology. Lots of Japanese parts in there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a partnership in there, but they are European machines, which is brilliant, so... No, it is. It's a, you know, it's been the passion of my life as well, Stephen, as you know. We started printing in digitally in 1998, and I look back now, you know, the first machine purchased then, one metre an hour. <laughs> and you just think, wow, look where we've come. Look, and it's, we, had it's, t- we had two TCPs as our first machine, which was yeah. which were the big drum printers, and we used it to um, to replace the uh, the mini screening. Yes, That's how we yeah, mini digital. sampling, yeah. Yeah, mini sampling. We took that out and put these TCPs in, which were horrendously expensive. But that starts to change the whole... Then we went, right, we need a continuous one, don't we? Because they only do, what is it, two metres or something? Yeah. And so you get a continuous one. Well, that's too slow. What's coming out? And you just build yourself into that into that thing. So, you know, we... we I mean, our biggest competitor was still mini screening. Well, we were sending digital samples out next day to the customers all around the world. That's what you do. That's what it gave you right at the beginning, so... What yeah. would you say that your 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 average print speed would be currently? Oh right, so we they they were they were running the machines at, at um, two hundred meters an hour. Yeah, okay. We could run them a lot faster, but we yeah. run them multi-pass because we're at the quality end of the market. People run them at four hundred or something, but yeah. that's I mean that's that's adequate because it's not the machine speed that matters; it's the uptime or, or we call OEE they call it. Yeah. So you need to get you need to be really efficient to get the OEE high. So yeah. you can have a machine that does a thousand thousand meters an hour, but if you're not very efficient at running it, it's irrelevant, isn't it? It is absolutely yeah. relevant. Stephen, yeah. I cannot wait to hear what you do next. Please do stay in touch. And I'm so I'm so happy you're still in digital because your skill set and your knowledge would be a disaster if the industry lost you, lost all of that. It really, really would. Thank you so so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for the time. Much appreciated. Thank you, David.